All right, all right, all right. What's happening, people? Uh, this is your boy, Jack. Uh, to anybody that's listening, I highly doubt there will be many, but to the select few that are, I appreciate you for listening to the pod here. Um, obviously, I'm obviously going to put this on the old Twitter. And in the event that y'all see it on the Twitter, as y'all know, I'm an avid sports man and being an avid sports guy, sports fan, I should say, um, you know, it comes with the territory that I am one of those heartbroken Atlanta fans. I know everybody and their mother feels me on that one. Um, but really, for this pod at least, I wanted to touch on these damn Falcons and what they did in the offseason as far as, you know, switching up regimes and, uh, you know, getting these new guys in there, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenelle. And I really wanted to touch on just the roster for this pod, like the guys that we already have in-house and what I think their futures hold. Um, because, I mean, fact of the matter is, while I personally don't believe that we're going to be a Super Bowl contender um, anytime soon within the next, I, I don't know, two years or so, I do think there are some things that they could like on this roster. And, you know, who, who knows? They might just hate the roster as a whole. But I'm just going to give it a little rundown. just going to give it a little shot here on the pod. I mean, I know my voice isn't like Morgan Freeman-esque for a podcast, but hey, you know, it is what it is, you know, I'm just a, just a good old white boy, you know, just loving him some Falcons football, so we're going to give it a shot, but uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get right on into it, first things first, man, let's talk about quarterback, let's talk about quarterback, obviously, you know, the Falcons went out, they cut Kurt Benkert, Captain Kurt, um, you know, I personally, I liked Kurt a lot, I felt like he kind of got shafted, um, because, you know, he had that injury that one preseason, and then, you know, he kind of battled it out with Danny Etling that second preseason. I remember some folks were calling Etling like Vanilla Vic or something like that. That was wild times we were living in. And, of course, Schaub was always going to be the backup anyways, but, you know, you, you'd at least, you know, maybe he could crack out a role as maybe a third quarterback or, you know, at the, at the very least hang on to the practice squad. But evidently Terry and Arthur just, you know, didn't like what they saw on tape. But so, you know. Best wishes to Kurt. I, I I believe he follows me on Twitter. Shout out Kurt if he sees or hears or listens or whatever. Um, keep that game and stuff up. That dude's a beast. I've actually played with him once or twice, dude. That man's a beast on Madden. Um, but, yeah, so obviously the quarterback going forward for now, that's on the roster, Matty Ice, the natural. Everybody loves him for the most part. <laughs> I should say for the most part. Um, to me, you know, obviously Terry's got to see it firsthand, you know, as the director of player personnel um, with the Saints, you know. And for those that don't know what he did with the Saints, he, he did more of like a NFL scouting more so than, you know, for free agent acquisitions and stuff like that, more so than he did, um, you know, for the college side of things. So really, you know, Terry should really be very familiar with Matt, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of weaknesses because he's been a top, you know, 10 to 5 quarterback um, in this league for what feel. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, really for a decade. Um, and I I really don't I really don't see a way that Arthur Smith doesn't see something in him as well. I mean, this, this you know, bootleg play action type. Uh, you got two really explosive receivers, a vertical threat type tight end that can get the job done. Obviously, you got to re- retool the running back room for Matt. And, you know, the O-line is what it is right now. <coughs> um, but really, you know, it's it just boils down to Matt being able to, uh, you know, soak in yet another offensive system. I mean, obviously, this is going to be, I believe, what is Matt's fifth offense. 
in a 10-year span, I believe, because, you know, he had uh, Kyle Shanahan, of course. You know, that's when he had his most success. He, has, he had Dirk twice. He had Malarkey uh, in his rookie year, and I think the two years before that. And then, of course, you know, you had Sark mixed in there, and now you got Arthur Smith. So, um, you know, it's just something Matt's going to have to adjust to. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, honestly, like if I had to like sit here and say, you know, how similar will it be to the offenses that we've seen Matt in before? I do think it's pretty close to like a malarkey, uh, Shanahan hybrid type of offense where, I mean, you're, you're going to see a lot of play action. You know, you, I mean, you're more likely to see, you know, a lot of tempo control for the most part, but also, you know, a, a good mix of play call and kind of modernize, modernize, I should say, um, with what Kyle did here when we had so much success in 2015 and 16. Um, outside of that, though, as far as, like, longevity goes, the thing with Matt for me um, is that, you know, he's he's never been, like, the gunslinger type, you know, like a, like a Rodgers or, like, a Josh Allen that we see today or even, like, a Pat Mahomes. Um, to me, you know, I, I kind of see Matt filling in a role, um, you know, kind of kind of being the bridge guy for the next guy, whoever that may be. You know, we might draft him, you know, this year. We might draft him next year. You know, it is what it is. I can touch on that in a different pod if this one is received well. But, um, you know, I I think Matt will probably be here at least through 2022 um, unless he just, you know, suffers some kind of severe injury or, you know, just – I mean, honestly, like, at this point, I don't see how Matt doesn't work in this system. I mean, guys, he's a pro's pro. Like, he's been at this for, what, 13 years now? He's definitely going to be able to pick up this offense and find some success in it. I, I really don't think it's a matter of him, you know, being able to fit in the scheme. I think it's more so of a, um, you know, how much does he got left in the tank? And, I mean, I, now, don't get me wrong. Everybody was frustrated with how last year went with Dirk. Um, that, that's kind of a given because, I mean, that, that offense was almost putrid to watch at times. Um, but... Man, that, that is an indictment on Matt. That's not an indictment on Julio. That's not an indictment on Ridley, you know, Hurst, Gurley, whoever, any of the guys on the O-line. Like, we – I personally do believe that this offense can easily be right back in the mix as far as being a top-10 offense under people that have competent play calling. And that's, you know, I'm speaking from a perspective in this pod where we're not even adding anybody. You know, I, I'm, I'm just saying as is with the guys – that we had in-house, I do think this offense is good enough to win, you know, seven, eight games by themselves just because the talent's there. Um, But speaking of talent, (laughs) this is something that does have to be touched on, the running back room. We got a lot to do in the running back room, fellas, women, ladies, children, whoever's listening, whatever. There's a lot of work to be done in the running back room. I mean – if we're going to start at the head of the table, let's go ahead and uh, get at it. Todd Gurley. Todd is very interesting to me um, personally. I'm a big Gurley guy. You know, I got, you know, obviously I, I live in Georgia, so you know I've I, I've got to see him live when he was in his prime. Uh, when when they came to Atlanta that year, and, you know, Aaron Donald had Freeman up. You know, of course I went and watched Gurley again. I don't believe he played that much in that game, but. Um, still, you know, it was it was cool to see the hometown guy back and, you know, doing his thing. But for me, you know, while Gurley isn't that same guy that we saw in like 20, like 14 through 16, you know, where he was damn near an MVP caliber player, um, 
at the running back position. I do think he can still bring value to the team. Um, I really wouldn't put it past him, though, if he went ring chase and maybe signed somewhere like, say, I, I don't know. Like, if, if Green Bay was to not re-sign Aaron Jones, you know, that's that's a place I could see Gurley going and having success is like the uh, third down back or like a bruiser type, you know, down there in the red zone. Uh, the Chiefs are another team uh, I could see working pretty well with what Gurley likes to do. Just kind of insert him into the Le'Veon Bell role that they used Le'Veon in last year. Um, you know, another team uh, that's off the top of my head. You know, honestly, I, I could I could see him spelling a running back, you know, that's kind of in his prime but doesn't, you know, quite provide the same skill set, um, per se, like a guy, I don't know, kind of like Saquon Barkley where he's, you know, more of that shiftier type. Um, you know, when he needs a little burn, you can stick in Gurley. Uh, you, you know, it's just – I think there's a place and there, there will be a market for Gurley. Now, I'm not sure what the value will be. I've heard some people throw out like the $5 million mark number. I don't know if I believe that. Um, I just don't think he's worth that anymore. But then again, me as an individual, you know, if I was to run a team, I really wouldn't value a running back that high um, in the first place just because I don't think that they're necessary to have a successful offense. Um, and it's funny that I say that now, considering that we watched our run game do absolutely nothing last year. Um, and now, you know, obviously we've got an offensive coordinator whose uh, schemes are really predicated on – uh, you know, running the ball and, you know, working it off of play action and, you know, moving the ball downfield off of the play action. Um, but really, you know, like to me, as far as far as Gurley goes, I think if he can be had at any, you know, anywhere below like the $2 million mark, I, I, I would say pull the trigger on that personally. Um, just because me as an individual – I like having each of my position groups, having that veteran that the young guys can go to. And, I mean, you're not really going to get a better veteran than Todd Gurley in the running back room. I mean, the guy, like I said, he, I mean, he, he was damn near an MVP-level caliber player, you know, in that little span from, like, 2015 to 2017. Um, you know, he's, he's been a multiple-time 1,000-yard rusher. He's led the league in touchdowns. Uh, I believe he was an all-pro, two-time all-pro maybe. Um, I don't have anything pulled up in front of me, but um, – I do think Gurley could provide value to the next staff. And plus he has expressed interest in, you know, like on his uh, reality show that he's got with the guys down there in LA, uh, he has expressed interest in staying and being home in Georgia, as well as, you know, potentially working alongside Arthur Smith and seeing what they can do in this offense. Um, and that brings me to the backups. Um, Quadri Allison. Let's go ahead and touch on him because he's seemingly a Falcons fan favorite because he sat in the inactive list for so long um, this past season, you know. I mean, he I, I want to say he actually suited up in one game this year, and I believe that was one of the games where Gurley was out with that knee issue or whatever. But to me, guys, while I know the stature is there, you know, I, I, I believe Quadre is, what, 6'1", like 230, I think, something along those lines, which y'all got to understand, and, for those that don't know, I'm a diehard Clemson fan. Um, you know, I've had the season tickets, blah, 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 rah, 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 whatever. Um, I've actually gotten the chance to see Quadre in person um, play live when he was at Pittsburgh after uh, James Conner left. You know, he, he, he was the next guy that was in there. And I'll say this. While Quadre is very similar to those guys that would work great in this offensive scheme, obviously like we've seen with Derrick Henry or guys like Ezekiel Elliott, or, you know, those big physical bruiser types like Leonard Fournette. 
Um, Quadre, Quadre is the similar style, but he doesn't have that uh, second gear that he can kick into and like break off a long, you know, run. Because you know, I mean, normally with those guys, what happens is that they get all those volume carries, and you know, they'll just pound you, pound you, pound you until you know it gets down to it. And then, you know, towards the end of the game, when the defense is tired, they'll break off like a 40-something yard touchdown run, and that's that. See, Quadre just doesn't quite have that extra gear to do that. To me, Quadre is really similar, and some of y'all might get get this reference as far as a player goes, like comparison for Quadre. I see Quadre as like a Toby Gerhardt type, you know. He's kind of like a death by a million cuts back. Like, like if you give him the ball a lot, he'll be able to wear it down. But you're going to need somebody that can come in as a counterpunch to do it. And plus, the thing with Quadre is he doesn't really provide that much in pass protection. I mean, I'm sure it can be coached up. But, you know, <laughs> with him being inactive for majority of his time here in Atlanta, I mean, there's got to be something that's keeping him out. I don't know if it was, you know, if he if he got one of the coach's wives or something. But it's, it's just weird seeing such a young player that's inactive all the time. And, you, you know, it's just – it sucks for him. But – then again, you know, you, you kind of wonder, I mean, is it warranted? So, you know, I mean, Quadri, I think Quadri can maybe niche out a spot on this roster. I mean, he's he's definitely going to have to be one of those, you know, first guys in, last one to leave types, especially during camp, uh, because I do think he'll have his work cut out for him, because I do believe that the Falcons will probably draft a running back at some point in the draft. Um, if they don't, you know, obviously I would assume that they'd sign someone. Um, but really... You know, Quadri could make it. I wouldn't bet on it personally, like him making the final 53 this upcoming season. But I am interested to see what Arthur Smith uh, envisions and sees in uh, Quadri. Um, let's see. Who else is it run? Oh, Brian Hill and Edo Smith. Okay. Guys, I don't think Edo has that much left in the tank. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love the judge. But, man, that dude has taken some absolute shots in his playing career. And I believe he's only 25, 26. Like, I'm honestly pretty worried for you, though, because, I mean, he is one of those undersized one-cut type backs, um, you know, and, you know, pass protection, he, he seemingly always gets a concussion in pass pro, and, I mean, I hate to put it like that, but, I mean, you know, truth the truth, man, Ito, Ito, man, I mean, he's he's been hit hard, man. There's been two or three times where I didn't know if he was going to get up, man. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't put it past Ito if he just retired, but, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll still try to, you know, find – find his niche over here on this team, if not here, somewhere else. But, I, you know, guys, I, I just don't see, you know, a place for Edo on this team anymore, especially with this regime, you know, having, you know, more of those physical type backs that Arthur Smith likes to utilize. Um, I mean, even, even I mean, I'm sure you could point the finger back, well, I mean, you know, Arthur Smith also did have Dion Lewis, you know, the little uh, scat back that was from New England that was brought in with Rabel. But, man, I... I just don't see it because, I mean, really, I mean, outside of the few little dump passes that we've seen, like to Gurley, and I know Brian Hill got some work in the passing game as far as, you know, being able to run routes and do stuff like that. Um, we didn't really see what any of these running backs could do in pass catching. So, I mean, I, you know, that that might be something, you know, could bring to the table, similar to what Dion does for the Titans or did for the Titans when Arthur Smith was there. But I, I just – I don't know. I – I feel like it's an uphill battle for Edo. Um, and that brings us to our last candidate in the running back room, Brian Hill. Um, for me personally, I think Brian will 110% be on the roster. Um, not just to what, not just because of what he's done, 
Um, you know, it's not like he's some world beater or anything like that. But, I mean, he just he just does all the li- – I mean, you know, like he's a good special teamer. He's, he, out of all the guys that we've seen, you know, that, that, that was in our running back room last year, he did provide the most spark out of the backfield as far as catching the ball. And then he also has had a few games, you know, here and there where, you know, you know he burst off like a little 12-yard run. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. So, I mean, you know, the guy's got a little pep in his stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I, personally, I've always thought Brian Hill is more of an inline runner. You know, he's he's not one of those, like, one-cut guys like Ito is where, like, you know, he can bounce it outside and, he you know, he you know he's real shifty-like. I think more, you know, Brian Hill is more like a, you know, Anton Smith kind of, uh, Jarius Norwood where, like, you know, as soon as he sees his hole and he can hit it, bro, like he's he's going to get you 10, you know, and almost like instantly, you know. That's kind of how I view Brian Hill. I do think he'll make the roster solely based on the fact that he is a really good special teamer. Um, and, you know, he, he, he does all the little things as far as that goes in the running back room. Um, so, you know, for conclusion on that, you know, Gurley, I, I, would, I would definitely bring back for like two mil below. Quadre... Uh, I, I don't know on Quadre. Uh, Ito, I'd say, is probably a goner. And then Brian Hill, I definitely think, will be on the roster going into next year on the final 53. Um, of course, Keith Smith. I would think Keith Smith would be back. I mean, he's on a pretty small contract. Uh, I mean, for those of you all that trust PFF, he was one of the higher-rated fullbacks this past year, um, you know, for the team, even though we didn't really utilize fullbacks that much uh, last year in the offense. Uh a lot of three tight end stuff we ran last year, but in those short yardage type situations. But you know, I'd assume Keith Smith would be back. I don't. I don't really see a reason as to why we cut him. Plus, he plays teams, and that's really all you can ask for in a fullback. Um, next, we'll, we'll go tight ends. I think, <laughs> and this is just me. Jaden Graham's definitely a goner. He, he's he's got no real purpose on this roster. Uh, he's not a good special teamer. He's not a good blocker. He's not very physical. Uh, he's, I mean, he's what, like an average pass catcher? <laughs> kisser. Uh, pass catcher, I should say. I just don't see it for Jaden. Um, Luke Stalker, he's an interesting one because he's played with Arthur Smith. And, uh, you know, he he's played for a lot of teams. And he's kind of like the veteran stalwart in the locker room for the tight end group. Um I could see Luke being brought back, but I, I personally don't think he'll be anything more than the uh, third tight end or the blocking tight end like we've utilized him in the past few years. Um, he definitely shouldn't be a pass catcher. I think we all seen that this past year. Um, and then, of course, you know, Hayden Hurst, I, I think will play a pretty big role, kind of like Janu Smith did with the Titans this past season, um, you know, racking in catches, being a threat in the red zone, you know, be, being able to make the big explosive plays, you know push the ball downfield. I do think Hayden will have to improve a little bit in his run blocking. Um, not not to say that he's a bad run blocker by any means, because I mean, obviously, you know, coming from Baltimore, you know, also working with Dirk last year, and it felt like, you know, every time they put Hurst on the field, they were running the ball. That's what it felt like, because, you know, it, we rarely threw him the ball, it felt like. But I do think Hurst is easily safe. I mean, actually, I'll go ahead and say it. I think Ginger Tarzan really does have a nice shot at being able to potentially be one of the top tight ends in the league next year. I I do think it's pretty criminal what Dirk did with him last year. Oh, excuse me. Um, you know, as far as 
you know, being underutilized. I, I, I really do think that he was one of the most underutilized Falcons last year. Um, and I do think there's a really big window in which he can improve. So that's what I'm anticipating out of Hayden. Um, and then I guess that uh, leads us into the receivers. Um, guys, I know there was a lot of talk in the offseason about the Matt and Julio dilemma. And, you know, should we trade either, either one or should we do something with one or the other, blah, blah, blah. That ain't happening. Um, Julio's going to be here for the long haul, I believe. I don't see any reason as to why he wouldn't be playing out his entire contract with us. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's still a top 10 receiver. Yeah, sure, he got bugged with the hamstring stuff last year. Whatever. I mean, you know, Julio's Julio, man. I mean, that's that's really all I got to say. You know, the $20 million against the cap, be damned, whatever, you know. Julio's going to be here, and Julio's going to be that guy. Same thing goes for Ridley. Uh, you know, they're really going to be our two main guys, I would think, for at least the next five years um, until we draft a replacement. Um, just because I view Julio kind of in the same vein as, like, a Larry Fitzgerald just because he's so refined in running his routes and doing the little things as a receiver as far as blocking goes and doing stuff. And I do think, you know, eventually – Ridley will take over the mantle as the number one receiver. Um, and then, of course, we'll bring other people along down the road. But uh, really, the receiver room is really interesting. Oh, big old voice crack right there. The uh, receiver room is very interesting uh, to me for the sole fact that I do think there could be depth um, addressed in the offseason. I know the Titans, I believe, just cut Adam Humphreys. Um, and he was a guy that played, obviously, under Arthur and done a few things on special teams. I actually believe he did uh, punt returns for him as well. Um, and spot situations, you know. But guys like Russell Gage will be okay. Um, you know, he, he proved to be a pretty pretty viable uh, number three receiver last year as well as being a good little spot starter at the two. Um, you know, I, I, I think Gage showed us a lot last year, and I really do think that on the tape, uh, you know, once Art and uh, Terry sit down and watch it or whatever, unless they already have, I'm not. I do think we'll be fairly impressed by what Gage did last season. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, that's good. Um, but outside of those three guys, you know, I, I really don't see how any of the other guys make the roster. I mean, I know OZ probably could. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus is a pretty solid deep threat. I mean, he doesn't really have the stature to be some elite you know, blocker in the run game or nothing like that. I mean, it's not like he's mauling guys like Mike Jenkins and uh, Brian Fennerin were back in the day when we had a DVD back in the backfield. But, um, you know, OZ might be able to cut himself out on a roster, but really what I want to see as far as this being addressed, and it's no shot at Brandon Powell or Chris Rowland, even though Rowland didn't really get a fair shot at being a returner. But, I mean, we, we really do need one of these skill position guys to step up and be the kick returner, punt returner, and be effective at it because the field position was absolutely awful last year. Um, it felt like we never flipped the field, and it really felt like every time they kicked it off to us, it was a fair catch, or we weren't advancing the ball past the 25 uh, whenever we had a return uh, opportunity. So that's something that I would anticipate happening, um, you know, over, over the off season. Uh, is potentially us, you know, seeking out, maybe drafting or, you know, looking for a free agent acquisition that we could get to fill in that kick returner, punt returner, like fourth fourth wide receiver role. Um, and that's that's really that. And that leads us to the O-line. Um, 
you know, Alex Mack, I believe, will probably end up in San Francisco or Cleveland or somewhere like that, you know, that's ready to contend right now. Um, you know, and he, he could potentially end his career on a high note, kind of like similar to what Pouncey was trying to do in Pittsburgh. Um, but, you know, with, with that, and, you know, I really might be of the minority here. I honestly think the offensive line is pretty solid on the right side. Um, I, I do think the trio of Hennessy, uh, Lindstrom, and McGarry are, like, locked in for next year. Um, I don't see how any of those guys are moved. I've heard a few things, um, you know, and read, you know, maybe McGarry could potentially be a trade candidate, um, being, you know, that he's one of the older uh, tackles uh, as far as, like, relative to when he was drafted. Um, I believe when he was drafted, he was, like, 24, 25, and now I believe he's, like, 26. Um, So, you know, it's just something to take into account. But me personally – I do believe that the right side is pretty much locked up. You know, I, I don't necessarily see a reason as to why they should move off of any of those guys, um, as well as, you know, giving Hennessy the opportunity to prove that he was a good third-round draft pick, as well as Lindstrom. Um, I mean, to me personally, I, I think Lindstrom should have been a pro bowler, if not all pro-level guard last year. But uh, obviously, you know, being as bad as we were, you know, we, he – he really didn't get the shine that he deserved because he played really, really well last year. Um, but outside of that, you know, the troublesome part of the offensive line is going to be the left side. Um, I think that there's going to be a pretty uh, competitive uh, left guard spot. And it feels like we say that every offseason about the left guard spot, um, you know, because obviously we've, uh, we went through James Carpenter, Jamon Brown, uh, Wes Schweitzer, Ben Garland, you know, all those guys trying to fill in or replace what Chris Chester left us with. Um, but, you know, I think I think Matt Gano will, will probably have a shot to try to get it. Um, you know, undrafted guy. He played a little bit last, a uh, little bit there last year, especially in the last few games of the season uh, when Hennessy moved over and uh, to center. So that kind of gave him more reps at left guard. Um, and then also, um, you know, I don't think Car. I mean, I well, I should say I do think Carpenter will be cut. You know, as a cap casualty, um, if he hasn't already been cut, I believe he has actually, as a matter of fact. But you know, yeah. left guard is definitely going to be have to be a position that's addressed, um, simply for the fact that you know we're going to need somebody there. You know, it it doesn't have to be a world beater like Joe Thune. You know, we don't have to go spend all of our free agent money to really solidify the line. You know it. It doesn't hurt to get a guy, you know, per se, like, you know, Nick Easton that was cut by the Saints or even, you know, like a guy like Jameel Douglas from the Titans. You know, somebody like that that can kind of plug and play, you know, that's familiar with, you know, the guys that are in here now. Um, and, of course, left tackle. This is kind of a hot topic, the left tackle spot is. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people pressing the button for Panay Sewell in, at, at, at uh, number four. And while I personally have no issue with that, um, I think Panay will be a really, really good player in the league. Um, I, I, I just don't see us moving Jake inside the guard strictly because his cap number would be one of the highest in the league for a guard. Um, unless he's just really willing to restructure or, you know, even if we were to find a trade partner or cut him, I, I, I just don't really see a way Jake isn't the left tackle next year. Um, 
I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting seeing how they retool that left side of the offensive line. Um, I think Jake can be above average in Arthur Smith's system. I mean, he's really good at you know pulling and doing the stuff like that, and he's he's okay at pass pro. I mean, I I wouldn't say he's no world beater, not like that, like his dad was, but you know. There is some things to like on this offense line, and I, I know I know we harp on him a lot because it seems like Matt is on his back 24-7, but I, I, I genuinely do think that there are some things to like on the offensive line. Um, and with that, I guess we'll flip sides, talk about the defense. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things to touch on with the defense um, as far as personnel goes that we already have in-house. Um, obviously, for those that don't know, we've hired Dean Pease to be our defensive coordinator. Um, he's a definite 3-4 multiple look type guy. Um, he came out on his pressers, for those that didn't listen, and said, you know, hey, you know, my philosophy is to blitz from any and everywhere. Like, you know, he, he quite literally said, listen, like, I don't want the quarterbacks knowing where the blitz is coming from um, at all times. And I... I admire the hell out of that. I love having an aggressive mindset like that on defense, especially with the team speed, especially in the linebacker core and in the edge guys that we have. I mean, while they not, while they might not be the best equipped, you know, as far as pass rush moves goes, um, they can definitely get home when they're sent scot-free down the middle just because the team speed is so good. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But uh, let's go ahead and dive into the personnel. Uh, interior D line wise, obviously, you know, we cut Allen Bailey. Um, you know, he's he's a goner. I mean, he really didn't provide all that much anyways. I do think Tyler Davison will probably be moved on from I mean, I like Tyler a lot as a uh, you know, run stuff and defensive tackle in the middle over there tag teaming with Grady. Um, but, you know, with us being in the current cap situation that we're in, I I don't really see a valid reason as to why we keep him. Um Outside of that, you know, obviously Grady's going to be here. Um, he'll he'll honestly probably be one of the guys that we look to restructure this offseason just because, you know, we're going to have to move some money to make some stuff work. Um, then, of course, there's like Kaminsky. Kaminsky's really interesting to me personally. I mean, I think he could be moved out, uh, you know, to the kind of like edge spot, you know, because, I mean, first of all, guys – in a 3-4, for those that don't know, we're definitely going to have to go out and acquire a nose tackle, whether it be through the draft or free agency. Um, so, that, you know, and honestly, we'll probably have to get two of those type guys. Um, but, you know, if I had to take a guess with guys that are currently on the roster, Grady's obviously going to be a starter, and he'll probably play more along that edge, you know, line type. Um, and then I also believe Kaminsky will have a pretty fair share of being able to do that. And, of course, you got guys like Deidre and Sinat, um, who's a really good run stuffer, and I believe could fill the shoes that uh, Davison might leave us with. And then that leaves us with the with the big unknown on the defensive line, Marlon Davidson. I, you know, Marlon's, Marlon's really interesting from the perspective that we have no idea what we got in him because it felt like he wasn't on the field at all last year, you know, whether it be due to COVID or injuries or, you know, whatever he was going through. But I really hope to see Marlon, you know, worked into the mix as a, as a rotational guy under Pease because I really do think that he can bring value to the defensive line um, as, a, as a rotational piece simply because 
Uh, he did it at Auburn under Kevin Steele um, when he when he was out there working with uh, Derek Brown and Big Cat Brian over there. Um, you know, he he he, uh, he has experience in this kind of multiple front defense that we're uh, intended on playing. Um, outside of that, uh, I guess we need to kick it out to the edge. Uh, Dante Fowler. You know, I had a lot of high hopes for Dante coming into the season. You know, coming off that 11 sack year that he had uh, with LA. And, of course, you know, it didn't pan out. Um, he came out and said that he had, you know, a bunch of injuries throughout the year. I believe with his shoulder what is, is what it was. I could be wrong on that. Um, but, you know, I personally think Dante will be the cap casualty guy. Um, I, I just don't really see how you warrant keeping his contract unless you unless Pease just really thinks that he can work with him. Um, but I, I, I just don't see it. Dante any anymore here um you know I know he was kind of like a stand-up edge guy at Florida at times but you know I'm I'm sure Jacksonville when, when he was playing over there and of course you know when he was playing with Wade Phillips you know and uh with the Rams you know it, it, I'm sure he got some work in the three four uh side of things but I I don't know it's it's a tough call with Dante I mean I I could see the reasoning for keeping him. I could also see the reasoning for cutting him. I personally am leaning more cutting him and spreading his money out over a few years so we have some uh, cap room to work with this year. And then, uh, you know, outside of that, other edge guys that we got, um, you know, Jacob Tuoti Mariner, I really want him back bad. I believe that we have some kind of undrafted free agent tag that we can put on him, which would be really nice um, in the long term if we could get him back on that cheap kind of deal. But, you know, Mariner did almost everything that was asked of him last year, you know, as a guy that went undrafted, you know, carved out a spot on the roster, you know, had, I, I believe, you know, four five sacks maybe, three maybe. I don't know, but he, he's he's a real high-mutter guy. I like Cody Mariner a lot. Um, you know, he, he's – not necessarily going to beat you with power all the time. He's got a pretty relatively good swim move, swim move I should say. Um, obviously, he sh- I mean, he showed out a lot against the Raiders. Um, but Tony Manor is definitely a guy I'd be interested in bringing back. Um, and then, of course, you got Stephen Means. Stephen Means, you know, he'll he'll more likely be a vet minimum guy uh, anywhere that he goes. Um, but I like Means a lot. I think he could be brought back. Do I think he will be? No. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing on Dallas or the Jets or somewhere like that next year. Um, that plays that similar four-three cover cover three scheme that just needs a rotational piece. Um, you, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's that's how it works. You know, you know, coaches that are let go or coaches that are fired go and they grab a coordinator position and they got to get all their guys in. You know, I'm I'm sure we'll see that a lot with what Pease is doing. You know, I. Wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we went went out and got like a Daquan Jones or Jarrell Casey or somebody like that, you know, just to, just to fill in the gaps that we'll have left behind. But uh, outside of that, I guess we need to kick it on back to the linebackers. Um, full, full disclosure, I really, really like our linebacker core a lot, especially in this scheme. Um, I think Debo and Foye are going to be absolute monsters in the middle of this defense for a very long time. Um Leroy Reynolds, I like a lot. He's really good on teams, and he's and he's relatively good when he has to come in and spot start. 
you know, in the event one of the guys has a little nagging injury or whatever. And, of course, Mikael Walker, I can't say enough about Walker. He played so well as a rookie without camp last year, especially coming from one of those smaller schools. I believe he was drafted in the fourth, fifth round by TD and the guys. But, man, Walker was great. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the linebacker core has in store in this. I mean, I think that we'll more than likely add a guy um, that's played in, you, you know, in the system before. And like I said, you know, when I was talking on the running backs, like I, I really am a big proponent of seeing veteran guys brought in um, that know and are familiar with the system and still have a little bit of, uh, you know, well, I don't. I don't really know what reference I was trying to make there. I kind of went brain dead for a second. But, you know, just just having those veteran guys that still have a little bit left in the tank and uh, can, you know, provide, you know, that little added extra umph as far as leadership goes in the locker room is uh, something I really look forward to. But, yeah, as far as the linebackers go, I wouldn't get rid of a single one of them. I think they're all great. I mean, we weren't necessarily deep at linebacker, but we have those four core guys that all pro- that all proved to have uh, pretty, pretty high value. Um on the team. And then I guess that brings us to the secondary. AJ Terrell, guys, let's all put our hands in the middle here and just say it with our chest. We were absolutely wrong when we drafted him in the first round last year. Because I know there was a lot of people clamoring, you know, Clavon Chason or CJ Henderson or, you know, guys like that. But man, were we wrong. It's okay to say it, too. We, I mean, we were just straight up wrong because A.J. Terrell was phenomenal last year. He locked, or I shouldn't say locked up because, I mean, as a rookie, you know, you're, you're going to get got. But, you know, like Marshawn says, you know, you got to get yours more than you get got. So, and I, I, I personally believe A.J. did that more last year. He was really good. A lot of people harp on him for that little drop in the, in the KC overtime or not, not overtime, but in the fourth quarter of that Kansas City game. The fact of the matter is, guys, he had to guard the best receiver on every team, every single game that he played last year. That is incredible for a rookie to do what he did. <laughs> um, outside of that, Isaiah Oliver, you know, a lot of people are saying move Oliver back to safety. You know, considering that we don't have anybody uh, left back there at safety um, that's under contract outside of Jalen Hawkins. But, you know, I I kind of just want to see Oliver, you know, kind of really, you know, hunker down in that slot nickelback type role that he played in the back portion of last season. Because I felt like he was really, really good in that role. You know, he, he made a lot of plays. And plus, you know, normally, majority of the time, unless, you know, guys are just trotting out just absolute demons on the uh, – on the uh, slot front, you know, Isaiah more than likely is going to be matched up against smaller receivers, you, you know, being, being you know, like the slot guys are normally, you know, those short, you know, shifty guys, think like Jamison Crowder, Curtis Samuel types, you know, Isaiah can low-key kind of manhandle that with the size and length that he has, and he showed that in the, in the, in the back portion of the year, you know, when he was guarding up against, you know, whether it be, you know, Tyler Johnson over there in Tampa Bay, or Scotty Miller, or, you know, when, when, when we played Kansas City, he was matched up against Miko uh, for the most part. Or, you know, Sammy, I believe, was healthy that game as well. You know, I you know I personally feel Isaiah did a really good job in the second half of the year, and I don't think we should be switching his position just to see if we can get a little bit more out of him. I think if he showed, you know, that 
he's comfortable in the role that he was asked to play. I don't see why that you would do that. Um, you know, move him, move him into a completely different position because then we're kind of putting ourselves in the same predicament that we did with uh, Ricardo Allen, hoping that he can kind of sponge up all the information necessary to be a productive safety, safety at the NFL level. Um, other guys in the, in the back end, uh, Bleedy Ray, you know, <clears throat> I like Bleedy a lot. He's a really good teamer. He's a really good little spot starter. Um, he had to do that a lot last year, especially with all of uh, all the stuff that went down in the COVID protocols at the beginning of the year with the Falcons, you know, how when AJ went out those few games and of course, Kendall Sheffield wouldn't, wasn't ready. And then Jordan Miller was on his four game suspension. Um, you know, I like Bleedy a lot, but I I don't think he'll be retained simply simply because I think he'll do the same as what like um, Stephen Means I believe will do, and the fact that I believe that he'll just go and you know f- find him a little nice niche over there and either you know Dan Quinn's system over there in Dallas or maybe Salee's over there uh, in New York now or you know maybe he'll go join you know the 49ers secondary group. Uh, with Kyle, because I'm sure he'll want to use the same type of schemes that Salee uh, left. But, you know, it's just things like that. Um, outside of that, um, Kendall Sheffield, I'm not all that high on him. I know some are. Um, I know he's really fast, and I know he made some plays. And I and trust me, guys, like, I know he was hurt for majority of last season. But, you know, it, you know, I, I was kind of hoping to see a maturation with him, but it just never came to fruition. Um, you, you know, so, I mean, it was – it was a real sophomore slump for Sheffield, but I'm hoping he can bounce back because I, I do think he'll still be on the roster um, come come next year on the final 53. Um, outside of that, I really don't think we have that many secondary guys left. That's definitely going to be a position that we're going to have to address in the offseason, um, as well as you know having a pretty much free open reign competition at safety. Because literally the only guy that we have is Jalen, and I do think Jalen will be back on the team, um, just because he he showed in a little time that he got to play what he could do. Like in that Green Bay game, it felt like he was the only guy making plays in that game. Um, but outside of that, you know, the secondary is going to need some definite retooling under Pease because good safety play is primary, and that type of scheme and what he likes to do. Um, but outside of that, I mean, obviously, you know, what's what's left is the teamers. I wouldn't touch anybody on the teams. Um, you know, Koo did a pretty great job last year. Missed a few extra points here and there, and of course missed the uh, game tire versus Kansas City. Um, but you know, can't knock it because I mean, you know, the guy, the guy, the guy was a Pro Bowler. You, you know, it, it seems like we have really good luck with kickers in this organization. Um, then of course Hoffrichter, you know, you'd like to see his net average go up a little bit. But he did hit a few bombs last year that, you know, kind of kind of made you, you know, raise your eyebrow a little bit. And then, of course, Josh Harris would be the long snapper. So, um, you know, that's that. That's the end of the pod. That's all I got. Um, just kind of wanted to, you know, break down the roster. You know, the guys that we got, the guys I feel be retained, cut, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, if y'all enjoyed, leave a like, I reckon, you know. I'm about to go battle some Atlanta traffic. So, uh Peace.